Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Christopher Heyerdahl, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. Turn the turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to our, I guess, supplement episode of the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we are talking about the premieres. Or at least mostly premieres. We have a little bit of Warehouse 13 we want to talk about that we're excited about. Um, <clears throat> Miles, I don't know about you, but this seemed to be, in a very real way, a good fall season for sci-fi premieres. I would agree. Um, I, I think most of the shows that you and I were looking forward to uh, had, had a very strong opening. Yeah, and with the exception of one, and we're going to comment maybe why we think that happened or what we think happened to that. And these are only the shows that we're watching. We know that others had some other good openings as well. Like I'm thinking of what the Vampire Diaries and uh, oh, there's another one out there that just slipped in my mind right now. Supernatural, I know, did pretty well as well. And we aren't going to talk about those shows. We're going to talk about the shows that that you guys have been kind of talking to us about and that we're excited about. Before we get into the, the premieres, though. Uh, Miles, what have you been watching movie-wise? Let's talk about that, that a little bit. Okay, well, the last um, movie I saw, I rented um, uh, Wolverine uh, X-Men Origins. Um, we, my wife and I watched that last Saturday and uh, loved it. Uh, I, I, I heard it had some mixed you know, critical reactions, but um, I, I, I loved it. I, I, I encourage, if you haven't seen it yet, if you're on the fence about seeing it, Go see it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, you know what? It is one of the movies that I have yet to see, but I want to see. It's certainly, I think it looks good, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people had the complaints about it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't see it, so I can't really make a good judgment on it. But you, according to you, you're giving it thumbs up, right? I, I, yes, I'm two thumbs up for that movie. Oh, good. Well, the I, movie, I, go I, ahead. I enjoyed that movie better than um, the third X-Men movie. Ooh. Well, yeah, yeah it did. some people would say that's not a far reach to go, though. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> regarding that, uh, I enjoyed the X-Men movies, and I think I would enjoy Wolverine if I actually sit down to watch it. I am actually, I watched two movies of note. I watched the latest Fast and Furious installment, Brainless Fun, not sci-fi at all, but good car action with Vin Diesel, and hey, you can't go wrong with Vin, Vin Diesel, in my opinion. Uh <clears throat> The other movie I watched, or I'm in the middle of watching, is The Knowing. Did you see this one, Miles? Um, I'm trying to think. That's Who the one that with one? Nicolas Cage is in it, and he there's this time capsule that's buried that when they bring it back up 50 years later, the one of the girls in the class had written down a string of numbers, and it ends up being dates and longitude and latitude coordinates for all the biggest disasters that happened over the past 50 years, and some that are going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to see that. How, how, how was that movie? Well, I'm halfway through it, 
And I am loving it. It did not do well at the box office, but I am liking this movie. It, it's worth at least a rental. It might have been worth my $10 to go see it in a theater. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm certainly enjoying it as I'm exercising and running. It's just a fun, fun movie to watch, in my opinion. But I don't something know. for my rentalist. Yep, someone, something for your rentalist. Miles, <clears throat> there's no secret if you've been listening to this podcast that we are absolute Warehouse 13 fanboys. Let's Absolutely. talk about this finale. This was, um, well, it's... Oh, my God. Oh, my God, right? Oh, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. One of our listeners, Jeff McLean, said, oh, my God, don't end the warehouse like that. We're going to talk about the end a little bit. Why don't we talk a little bit uh, about the episode, and let's try and talk about the ending at the end. What were some of the things that stood out in this episode for you? Well, um, trying to... um, Notice there there seemed to be a deteriorating trust between um, uh, Claudia's character and um, Mrs. Frederick. Um, I mean, well, I mean, in the episode, it seems like that she she's responsible for some of the lost artifacts in the warehouse, but um, that just that wasn't hint really. I mean, there wasn't she wasn't enthusiastically accepted by Mrs. Frederick, but now. There seemed to be, you know, you know, there, that, that she's guilty of something now. Yeah, don't they cast a doubt that somehow because she had association with McPherson, that she, that McPherson somehow planted her in the warehouse, even if it was unknowing to her? Is that right? Is that kind of the way right. you took it? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And that somehow, and that what, well, and we find out, of course, in this episode is that McPherson is the one that helped Claudia hack into the warehouse. So, yeah. Uh, um, other things that struck me: um, uh, some of the the um, the beginning of the uh, the end relationship between um, McPherson and Artie um, that was interesting. Yeah, we um, see a little bit more of that backstory because in the prior episode, doesn't he blame Artie that it's – if you want to know the real story, talk to Artie type mm-hmm. of thing. Right. We find out. So, <clears throat> of course, one of the big – there were so many artifacts. This was so artifact heavy. Was there any artifact that you thought was kind of your favorite artifact in this episode, if you can remember? Well, I like the artifact that McPherson used to – save his wife, but it, it comes with a cost. So um, it was that Egyptian artifact that allowed him to walk in the fire. But um, unfortunately, even though it'll save, you could save lives, it, it takes, you know, it takes whatever it gives, I guess, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. So that was what I, I like the thimble, the one that changes the person look to look like someone else. Right. And I think, yeah. I think that probably... Uh, precip- uh, precipitated my favorite scene in the end, one of my favorite scenes, or maybe one of the most chilling scenes. And it's when we find out that Lena is not really working for Artie. No, I mean, they really never hinted that throughout the series. You thought she was just part oh, of it. Holy crap. When that, when they, <laughs> there were so many bombshells in this episode, and that was one of them. I mean, first of all, when you when you see McPherson being released from his holding pen, right? 
mm-hmm. and you see him um and you see him come out and you look and you see Claudia, you're like, no, because you you don't want her to work for McPherson. But then you find out it's Lena, right? And it kind of just dropped that bombshell on you then. Yeah, that was that that came out of left field. You thought I mean you thought Lena was loyal to, you know, already in the warehouse thirteen project thing. Um I mean, I mean, she was there with the pilot episode. You just thought she was just a part of the team. So they really lulled you into a false sense of security. Oh, yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, wow. wow. What I thought was interesting. <laughs> Go ahead. They almost made McPherson a little bit of a sympathetic character. I mean, him. all he wanted to do was rescue his wife. She, his wife was in a burning building. You know, kind of, you know, what would, you know, I mean – both of you, you're married, I'm married. I think you and I would do anything to save our wife if absolutely. She and so you kind of sympathize with McPherson um, in that episode. And that's a great point because he's not. Is he a villain? Absolutely, but he's not a villain that you that doesn't have any heart at all. Right, and I think that's what makes him compelling and we obviously hope to see we're going to see more of them i'm sure when season two rounds the corner next summer so and it's well, just un- it's just unfortunate that we have to wait till then what were you going to say oh well they left lots of loose ends i mean there's lots of things I've dude let's about. talk about the biggest loose end they left um where's Artie? <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't look like he survived <laughs> no but I, I saw him put his hand in his pocket when he knew what was going to happen so right. i wonder did he have an artifact or something to I protect that. him? You know, yeah. I do not think there's no way they can do the show without Artie, right? We'll see him again. Let's see. Let's think. What sort of artifact would he need to survive that? What does the artifact need to do? Maybe not what it is. Well, it would have to, you know. Well, it would protect him from the explosion. Um, so, did, does it teleport him? Does it just shield him but you don't but the thing is it blows up that it destroys that tunnel right. it's a tunnel that he's in so i wonder if he teleported someplace yeah. i don't know either that or maybe wraps him in like a bubble shield of some sort that protects him i mean yeah i but, don't know yeah exactly so, so uh, you know this is a warehouse there are a thousand one artifacts he could have used and uh if you have an idea, actually, you're listening to this show and you have an idea of what you think might have happened to Artie, we would love to hear your theories. Um, you just heard what Miles and I think here, but I don't know. Anything else we need to talk about regarding Warehouse 13? Um, uh, just excellent season finale. Um, they had me wanting more at the end. Yeah, and this is this takes me back to, I know we're going to talk about X-Files a little bit later on, but when I was an avid X-Files fan, one of the things they would do is they would leave you with such a cliffhanger that left you stewing till the next season. And this is what Warehouse 13 did. They did an excellent job. You, when it ended, you were like, you kind of you felt punched in the gut in a good way. And you're like, they can't end it there. I want more of the story. And that's just excellent writing in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely just an excellent, excellent show. But 
Well, why don't we move into our premieres? This is really the attack of the premieres. Maybe I'll call the podcast, this podcast segment this. But the attack of the premieres, we had five premieres that we were tracking really closely, Miles. We have a couple more that are coming up that haven't aired yet at the point. But here we are, September 30th, recording this podcast episode. We've had five premieres that have come and gone. And... uh, what we're going to do here is just chat up our thoughts about them, not in any order, maybe talk about some of the highlights from the shows or the things that we picked out in the shows that, that we kind of liked. Um, and Miles and I were talking a little bit before the show started that I wanted to rank them. And Miles, what was your ranking of these five? Well. Uh, and by the way, the five <laughs> shows, Let's maybe we should identify the five shows first. The okay. five shows are Dollhouse, uh, Smallville, Fringe. What are the other two I'm missing? Um, Heroes. And um, Fast Forward. Flash Forward. Yeah, Flash Forward. So, okay, yeah. so these are our five shows that we've tracked. And, um, Miles, how did you end up ranking them? The problem for me was four of those shows, I liked the premieres equally. I thought they started extremely strong. Um, there was only one that I, I'll say I liked the least. And it's not that I didn't like the episode at all. It's just... Eh, as far as a, pr- a season premiere episode, it could have did better. Right, right. <clears throat> and um, and by the way, our opinions are simply that to our opinions. They do not reflect what the greater audience thought. And in fact, some of these premieres did pretty poorly, and I actually thought the episodes were really strong. Uh, but for whatever reason, timing, you know, the way the stars and the moon were aligning, whatever, they didn't do well the first season, the, the first episode. But we were, we talked about that in the other part of the show, so we won't go into that here. Um, I don't even know if I gave you my rating, Miles, but the way I rated, we're going to start with the, 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 the episode that you and I both rated as the lowest on our list, and it was, this was number five for me, and that was Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Miles, you got into Dollhouse, what, partway through the season last year? Yeah. And then you went back and kind of caught up on it. We were both, after meeting Miracle, you know, Miracle Laurie uh, this summer and, you know, just uh, being avid fans, not only of her, but of her work and obviously Dollhouse in general and Joss Whedon and Firefly and Dr. Horrible and everything else he's done. We were really looking forward to the Dollhouse premiere. Do you think some of our problem with the premiere was, we just had too high expectations for the premiere. I, I think that's part of it, but I also think they didn't take advantage of the season finale. Um, I think they should have incorporated more story elements from the season finale into this some way. But it was almost—I um, mean, they, they sort of acknowledged it. I mean, I mean, Ballard was with the Dollhouse in some capacity, which undetermined. But there's just so much that happened. They should have took advantage of that somehow, and they, and they didn't. Yeah, I think Alpha was just briefly mentioned. I mean, you saw you saw Victor, of course, healing from his wounds. But yeah, it seemed to be like a casual addressing. Like it wasn't like the story picked up. It was like a separate story altogether. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna. You know, there were a lot of things I liked about. This I, I love the whole whiskey Topher thing that was going on. I thought that was kind of interesting, um, you know, and how she's kind of discovering herself and she's kind of going crazy at the same time. And Topher's trying to deal with this, right? But, yeah, uh, that, that that was the interesting part of the show. But yeah. 
it could have been any show. I mean, for a season finale, absolutely. We see season premiere, I should say. You know, they, it, it should have packed some more punch, and just yeah. it didn't. It didn't. I tell you, the, the only scene that really packed punch for me, that airport fight scene. Okay, was that, that, absolutely that was incredible. incredible. Do yeah, you think? That, oh yeah, and Ballard was able to press um, uh, Echo's buttons to, uh, you know, to kick butt and take names with everybody. Yeah, we, and she's getting all these flashbacks, obviously relics of the imprints that Alpha left in her, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, and, um, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was really looking forward to this episode. Uh, you know, it had Jamie Bamber in it. We were both fans of Jamie Bamber in, in Battlestar Galactica. And so I was really looking forward to seeing him and, and, and Echo, you know, kind of in that same episode and I just was not crazy about the relationship. No, I agree. I, I, I just, um, it, it fell flat. It did. It, it really did feel flat. Apparently this episode, it takes place a few months after alpha is I think is what they're saying in the summary of it. It, it does. It felt flat. And we were not the only ones miles that thought so. And let me, let me read you a bunch of comments I got from people. Jeff McLean said, Dollhouse didn't rock my socks, but uh, you know what was good? Dr. Lightman and Lie to Me. I never watched Lie to Me. Did you ever watch any of the episodes of Lie to Me? No, I haven't. Um, the producers of 24 put it out. I'm sure it's a good show, just not enough time to watch all the TV you want. Matt Mathers gave it two thumbs down, but then added he also gave it two big toes down, too. He was not happy oh. with his episode. So it wasn't just a thumbs down. In fact, you're going to hear later that he gave heroes two thumbs down, but at least heroes didn't get two big toes down. So, um, her, her and one of our other listeners said, um, I watched part of it, but got bored. Hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> I think those were the basic comments. I found it interesting. This is flying across Twitter. There were people who were commenting on how terrible, uh, <clears throat> Jamie Bamber's British accent was. Now that's funny. And why is that funny, Miles? Because Jamie Bamber is British. He's British, and that was his real accent. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that it was not your traditional, stereotypical British accent, which is probably what happened. Why people are saying that, but it was real. It wasn't. They were saying, "Oh, he's a terrible British accent," <laughs> you know, which is kind of again, it's, it was hilarious because it's you know it's his real accent, but. Yeah, I don't know. Anything else we want to say about Dollhouse? We obviously hope the show gets better and has stronger episodes. But as you heard in our last podcast, 2.5 million viewers watched it. That is not a good sign. Not a good sign. Yeah, folks, if you if you if you like the show, I mean, we didn't totally hate this show. It just just wasn't one of their better ones. Well, it, did, it didn't it didn't grab us. It didn't grab us. No, no. we 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 had a lot. We had better. We had greater expectations. Yeah, and I tell you what, we had, we had, we we did have greater premieres, in my opinion. Oh, oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. and I think the next four. I agree with you, Miles. I did rank them, but I agree that these next four are probably on somewhat of an equal. I don't know if they're an equal playing field. They aren't for me, but they are definitely good premieres. I think the one that I placed at number four was Smallville. Right. Okay. And let, so, why don't we go ahead and talk about the Smallville premiere a little bit? I know that people have said that Smallville has, you know, why are they making a ninth season of Smallville? However, this Smallville premiere was good. 
it was very good. Oh, what, I agree. Yeah. So, so what? Uh, let me see here. What do, what do my notes say about this? This was this was good. I love I love this episode for a couple reasons. First of all, we got to see uh, Alessandro Giuliani in it as Doctor Emil Hamilton. He she, he he of course played Gata in Battlestar Galactica. Love seeing him. I love seeing Brian Austin Green, who of course played John Crobin and Metallo, and uh, is from. And we of course loved him from the Sarah Connor Chronicles, so it was good to yep. see him. <clears throat> and I love seeing Chloe again, and and I loved how we seem to be working back toward, or we're working finally to seeing Clark fly. You know, we haven't really seen that yet, have we? Uh, we never seen Clark fly. There was a couple seasons back. Um, when he wasn't himself, he did fly, but it was yeah. just, he was Cal L. He was not Clark. Don't, uh, I don't totally understand it, but so he's, he, he's trying to figure out how to fly now. Yeah. I, someone, I, I forget where I even got this from, but someone had said that Smallville's back and better with a season premiere of Savior, which in this guy's opinion was the best premiere since season three. So if you like season three, which was an excellent season of Smallville, this is what's setting the tone for this season, according to this guy. And I kind of agree. It was a really strong premiere for Smallville, especially with you know hearing stuff that maybe wasn't so positive with it. I, I'm hopeful that that this this will be a good season. Yeah. Uh, that they you know they were, it seems like they're really trying to incorporate more of the Superman mythos into this season. Yeah. Uh, from from you know the comics and things we know about Superman. What do you think about this whole you know you know Clark's mission now is to stop the future, right? To stop you, what happens a year from now. You you broke up. I, I I'm sorry. I didn't oh, I'm sorry. It, you know it seems you like Clark's mission is to stop the future, right? He's stopping the future, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there's there's some sort of you know, do you know prophecy about bad stuff happening? Yeah, and somehow he's the root of it or the cause of it. Um, he's obviously trying to learn in his fortress of solitude here in this episode, which is kind of cool to see that. Of course, harkening back to the whole Superman myth arc um, <clears throat> and mythos, uh, and we also see him trying to establish what does it mean to be a superhero and have friends and family, right? Right. He's, you know, trying to let go of his humanity and just, you know, you know, fulfill his destiny according to Jarrell. Yeah. Which I, I think what I think is going to happen is he, he he won't be able to do both. You can't you can't separate both. Right. Um, I, I think it's what's going to end up happening. Right. Well, we will see. What was your favorite scene out of this episode? Putting you on the uh, spot here. What was your favorite scene in this episode? Uh, what was my favorite scene? Um, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, um, I think when he caught the train, I thought that was pretty cool. I was going to say that one as well. So, Yeah, that, 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 that was pretty cool. And also when he jumped off the Statue of Liberty, although it was, it was a dream, it was really, you know, I thought – Ooh, he's gonna he's gonna you know take the plunge and try to see if he'll fly. I'm a little bit irked at Smallville though. They've done that way too many times, in my opinion. 
they, they, they have teased us many yes, times. And uh, I'm tired of having my chain yank, so to say. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Uh, any other things you want to say about Smallville except watch it? It's a really good season this year, and you should check it out. No, I think we said enough. Okay. Uh, let's move into Heroes, which is my number three, I believe. Um, <clears throat> this, of course, is the episode that Matt Mathers gave two thumbs down. So not a big fan, but um, it wasn't as bad as Dollhouse for him. Let's talk about uh, Heroes. Uh, you know what? I loved the two-hour premiere. Thought it was great, and I even loved the second episode. Or I guess what they're calling episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any comments to start us off for this? What what what, uh, what kind of stood out to you? They are standing um, on two ticking time bombs. I mean, uh, Siler's body and Siler in um, you know Matt Portman's head. I mean, it's just uh, things are gonna <laughs> blow up. I was just you know I, I, I that that sort of took me back took me back that. Uh, Siler was in Portman's head. I mean, literally, he's, he's sharing, you know, uh, he's occupying a part of uh, Portman's uh, mind and it's driving Portman crazy. Yeah. You know, the great thing in episode one was one of the comments I made when I was taking notes in the show is that Siler seems more evil inside Matt's head than when he was outside of Matt's head in some ways. Um. I thought that was I thought that was kind of I wasn't actually sure that they would actually reveal Siler as fast. I thought, okay, maybe we'll see some hints at it, but you know, you know, full fledged in the first episode and the second episode, Siler's there. Very much a part yeah. of what's going on, even though he's not outside his body. And so it just seems every season they figure out what can we do to Portman, you know. <laughs> oh, poor Portman. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so last season they strapped a bomb to him and said he's, he's going to explode, right? And this season, Siler's inside. If he doesn't get him out, he's going to go nuts. You know, whatever. Either way, it's an explosion. Uh, I love the way episode one started out by us throwing back to the past seasons of how the heroes got their start, right? Um, and the beginnings to some of these heroes was kind of a nice throwback to that, right? Um <clears throat> I, I thought it was kind of funny. In a, in a couple, I guess a week or two ago, it came across the wire that one of the directors of Heroes or Tim Kring or someone had said that they, they, didn't, really have a, they, hadn't, they didn't really have a plan for Heroes. <laughs> um, and so people have kind of commented that Heroes has kind of lost its way and so on. Although I think this season has at least started out strong. It was interesting to kind of view that idea in light of watching this episode because at the beginning of episode one, everyone wants out. Peter doesn't want to have anything to do with it, even though he's using his powers. Um, Parkman just wants to be a regular detective. You know, Noah doesn't want to be part of the company anymore. You know, Peter just wants to do his thing, AKA Siler. And uh, the only person that wants, and and Chloe's just trying, uh, Chloe, is it Chloe? It's not Chloe. Um, Claire. Claire, thank you. I think Smallville mixed up. And Claire just wants to be a student, right? Yeah. The only one that is embracing it is Hero, and he's doing it in such a comedic way, you know, heroes for hire type of thing. Oh, that was hilarious. It was, you know, but it was just funny that everyone wants out of this except Hero. I thought Mm -hmm. thought that was kind of interesting. It was interesting, too, that the only one in the show that had a plan was 
Claire's roommate and she commits suicide. Yeah, which is still a mystery. Uh, right, it is. And I'm not I don't know if they're going to clarify. They seemed in the second episode they didn't they kind of briefly addressed it but then they focused <clears throat> more on Claire and her roommate, her new roommate's relationship. I, I think that the suicide will come back though, as far as there's there, there, there's so many loose ends there. Yeah, and I think somehow Sandra seems to be involved in this somehow. Hmm. You know, Claire's mom. There's just something too fishy about her pushing that. It was a suicide. It's a suicide. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about the episode one is the Haitian's back. Glad to see him, albeit briefly. Uh, even though it was briefly, and he was mentioned in the second episode, it was definitely good. I'm sure but, we'll see him again. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, and I loved how, did you notice in the hero's office, they had the um, the suit from the warrior. I forget the warrior's name that he wanted, he got the sword from. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Um, and there is one hero that is noticeably absent. Uh, who could be? Um, see, we have Portman. We have the Petrellis. We have Claire. We have Water Lady. We have Water Lady. Um, I guess Mike is not there. I wasn't thinking of him. Rebel's not there. No, not him. And Suresh. That, you know, I was thinking. I was missing his commentary. Um, yeah. His opening commentary in the episode, so... In the first two episodes, did you see the second episode yet? I have, and I, I didn't. Yeah, you know, there's no opening Shresh commentary. No, no. Um, but I will tell you, let's talk about episode two real quickly here. Um, I love Siler and Parkman's head. He first when that started out, he was hilarious. It's just funny. Yeah. He's having fun with, with uh, Portman. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, you and, can't kill him. That's the thing. I mean, it's like. <laughs> You know, it, 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 he, usually with his victims, he'd kill them and move on. Well, he can't do that, so he's got to, you know, do something to entertain himself. Yeah, and including using Parkman's uh, abilities against himself. There were two things for me that stood, stood out in this episode. I love the deaf girl who can play music. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, Emma. And by the way, she is really deaf in real life. Oh, okay. Like, I did, looked her up at IMDb, and she's done all this stuff for the deaf and uh so it was kind of cool that she did that. Um, the other thing that I, that, that I got out of this episode, there's a moral to this episode, and it's don't piss off Simon. <laughs> because you saw what he did that house at the end. <laughs> Is that Simon? Was that the guy's name? I don't recall the character's name, but um, <laughs> I think he said Simon. sinkhole. It was just uh, what happened here. Yeah, I was like, holy heck. Oh, man. We, of course, have this whole... Uh, all developing with Peter and this and the Simon character. I guess his name's Simon. You're going to correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. But yeah, whatever. Anything else you want to say about heroes? Do you have any other comments on heroes? I, I hope they can keep this momentum. Um, it was I, a, I think, it was a good strong couple episodes. Yeah, and I, I think they have it. I mean, this thing with the whole car, Carney people uh, could be interesting. So ho- hopefully, NBC will keep it going. You know, one one thing we did not see in the episode two that we saw is the whole compass thing. So that's going to come back somewhere too, right? Well, we saw you know Petrelli. You know, he, he saw it on his his forearm. You know, at the end of the episode. Yeah, definitely. All right, two more to go here. My number two, Miles, was flash forward. 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk. Talk about uh, your impression. This was a new show none of us had ever watched before and was one of the new shows that we were excited about. And uh, tell me about Flash Forward. Well, Flash Forward, it's um, what happens is um, everybody's going about their day, people with different walks of life, and this, this major cataclysmic event where it appears that everybody seems to black out for over two minutes. And then when they come to, well, the aftermath is there's car crashes, plane crashes. Um, there's a lot of um, disaster happening when you have you know people blacking out for two minutes. Uh, when people come to, it's dealing with the aftermath of all that. But what happens, what's the most interesting part about it is people get a glimpse of their future for like the next six months, I believe it is. Yeah, I, think, something- I think it's six months into the future they get a glimpse of, right? Yeah, six months of their of their future, and for some people, it, it seems like it's a it's a curse. For other people, it seems like a blessing. Um, there's a character in there; he was about ready to commit suicide, and then, for, but for him, it's a new lease on life, and uh, so it's uh, very interesting where it, it takes these people. And of course, in this episode, immediately they're dealing with the aftermath of everyone blacking out for two minutes and seventeen seconds. You mm-hmm. know, so the cars, the plane wrecks, and everything like that they're just trying to get a handle on what happened. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It felt, and I mentioned this to you earlier, it feels very post-apocalyptic because of all this disaster that's happening. It, it, it does, but it, it, I think what's going to happen, I mean, they'll, people, they seem to recover. Right. I mean, I mean, it, it, it is devastating, but it's not the fact that, I mean. It's not devastating. Most- it's not devastating to the fact that, Humanity will not be able to pick themselves up and rebuild. Yeah, exactly. And I and, and it's you know although there has been some damage done, most people will be able to resume their their normal lives to 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 a degree to most to mostly. Yeah, you know, one of the things that made this episode so phenomenal was the cast. I mean, they just have a really dynamite cast. They have Lee Thompson Young in here, Joseph Fiennes, he of course did uh, Shakespeare in Love, John Cho, of course, whom we love from Star Trek Eleven, and I guess supposedly Star Trek Twelve he'll be in. Uh, but, uh, and there there are others, the list goes on of actors here, Jack David, Davenport, descendant, Zachary Knighton, Peyton List, Dominic uh, Monaghan, who I believe was in Lord of the Rings too, right? And Lost. Oh, uh, yes, and so some real notable actors kind of fronting this. Um, in fact, I believe the sci-fi, Slice of Five Sci-Fi did an interview with one of the guys and said they just have an incredible cast. They spent a lot of money on it, and it's obvious and it shows. It was just a pretty tight and well-written episode. Yeah, I'm very hopeful for this show. I think it's going to be good. And, of course, we're left at the end with the little mysterious man in black that's walking around the uh, stadium there at the end. Well, what I wonder is if what they've seen for you know the six months of their future, is that something that is chiseled in stone or is this alterable? Uh, can they you know change their fate? Well, that, uh, is, that is one of the premises of the novel that it's based on is are we ruled by determinism? Are we ruled by our, our is our future fluid based on our choices and our decisions? So I'll be interesting to see where that takes it. And, and with John Cho's character, he didn't get a vision of. Yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does it, I mean, I mean, he, he asked the hard question. I mean, 
Is he going to be dead in six months or less? Or, you know, so it should be interesting where they take this. And what caused the blackouts? That's, you know, the other thing that we're trying to figure out. You yeah, know, that's part of the show. Yeah, if you didn't watch his show and didn't get a chance to catch it, please watch it in Hulu. It was a phenomenal introduction. It's a great first show. And again, if you're going to put out a series premiere, this is the way you do it. They did it right, in my opinion. Great. Uh, I agree. Yeah. It was clever. It was thrilling. It was addictive. I love it. Um, and the, the word in the street is, you know, 10 million people tuned in and loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a good show. Of course, that leaves only one other slot for us to fill, and that, of course, is Fringe. And I placed Fringe as number one. I think this... I think what made the premiere for me, the top premiere, was the first 10 minutes of it. Do you remember the first 10 minutes of it? Um, about that one. It's the car crash. The car, the car crash. Uh, the one guy who is assuming somebody's identity. And then um, Olivia's character. Um I don't want to say jumping out of the, her car, but you know, being thrown from her car. Yeah, so if you didn't watch Fringe, just a little bit of premise, and I'm going to spoil just a bit of it for you here. It starts off with a car crash. You, know, you wake up, and you're following this one guy who runs away from the car scene, which has you a little bit curious. Um, he kind of you know, busts his way into this apartment flat, goes in his apartment, hooks up the device, you know, knocks out this one guy, hooks up a device to him, and then assumes his shape. He's a shapeshifter of some sort, right? Um, and then later on, we're at the scene of the crime, and, uh, we're, and of course, everyone's there. Peter, Walter, you know, are there looking at the car. Walter gets inside the car, begins messing around. Suddenly, the car comes back to life, you know, starts back up. Walter jets out, and Olivia comes bursting through the car window, right? And it just happens out of nowhere, and it's right. kind of like it's kind of like, uh, uh-uh, uh, what what just happened type of thing. You know, I almost want to rewind it back. You know, it was just one of the things that just caught you off guard, and it was such a great hook into the show, in my opinion. Right, and left some loose ends. What was Olivia doing in the uh, parallel universe? And we still don't know that by the end of episode two. Yes, sir. A little bitter about that, too. Yeah, very bitter about that. You know, it did have one of the things that people talked about in this episode is that a lot of X-File references, you know, um, from, in fact, they they even mention during the Senate hearing, they're talking about shutting Fringe down in this episode. And when when Broyles before the Senate hearing meeting, he says that they make reference to the prior case, that they're working on cases belonging to X division. Um, Interesting. Yeah, they do, and then and then, then then at one point Peter meets Broyle out in the steps of the Senate and hands him something secretly. It just has a very X file feel, and then Jessup, the new agent, you know, sitting at a computer looking at case files, uh, which reminds you of some of the Scully look that that happened during the X Files. I was a huge X Files fan, if you can't tell. Um, by the way, when the guy first enters the apartment before he shape changes into that guy. He showing on the television is an X file episode. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's episode six point four. If you really care, called Dreamland. So, 
Really cool. In fact, some other people picked up in that. Don Bender ran it. You know, he's been on the sh- this show before. Uh, just wrote in and said, "Fringe season premiere, pretty awesome." Although, is it going to turn into another X Files where there are conspiracy theory episodes and standalone episodes? Did I not hear mention of the X Files during the Senate hearing? So, anyways, that was his comment on it. But what do you think of Junior FBI agent Amy Jessup as a new character? Um, I liked her. I mean, um, I'm trying to to remember at the end of the episode, it was more than she was just interested uh, in what was going on. She was, she's connected to something. Yeah. I think that she's somehow, well, she's, I think they're bringing her in as a part of this for whatever reason. Maybe Mm -hmm. she, maybe she's going to become the new Charlie Francis. Because if you know anything about Charlie, if you know, follow the news, Charlie Francis is only going to be in a few episodes. He was fired from Fringe. Which character is Charlie Francis? I'm he's sorry. a he's a guy that that the bounty hunter or whoever killed and threw into the incinerator and assumed. His oh, name. okay, that's okay. him. So I don't know. Um, any scenes that stood out from episode one and two of Friends? Since we have two episodes to talk about. Well, well, just um, Olivia being thrown from the car. I mean, that was. It was almost as if like um, uh, Bishop has something to do with her, that happening. I mean, they're, they're right. looking at the inside of the car, and you know, well, where's Olivia? And then he he does something, it seems, and gets away from it real fast, and you see her, you know, being thrown out of the car. That was that that was coming out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that's probably the that probably is the scene, the scene that kind of defines it. That and when Olivia sits up in bed after she's supposedly brain dead and starts rattling off Greek. That kind of threw me. Yeah. What, uh, also, when the one um, operative from the other other universe, he goes to uh, that typewriter store, I guess. Oh, dude, that's such a cool scene. That was a cool scene. And, and the, 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 the store owner's like, you know, it seems to imply that he's from the other universe also. He, he's, he's wondering if he's ever going to be re- – come home yeah so uh that, that that was a cool scene there yeah yeah well <clears throat> i think this about does it yeah there you have it these are our top five if you're going to watch the if you're going to watch them the premieres that you definitely should check out in our opinion fringe flash forward smallville and what was the other one let's see flash forward smallville fringe uh dollhouse no there was another one Heroes. Heroes. Uh, and, you know, if there's one that you don't get to check out, I love I love Dollhouse. And I would love for you to check out all these shows. But if there's one that you're going to miss, I hate to say this, Dollhouse is probably the weakest of the premieres. But it's worth seeing. And we're probably going to find out that it plays a bigger role into the story arc than we first thought. But just off the first cuff, not one of our favorites. But we loved all these episodes. If you get a chance, check them out on Hulu. We loved them. But yes. Anyways, that's our TV show wrap for tonight. Hope you enjoy it and uh, let us know what your thoughts on these shows are and you can disagree with us. It's just, this is just our ramblings on these shows. <laughs>